Greetings, standard nerds. This is Chris McClanahan from DeeplyDapper.com. Tom Catamonte of Third Rail Design Lab. And it's and time it's to... Release the... Kraken! <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't even matter let's roll it's it something up. like that anyway <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our second episode of our season seven coverage of game of thrones season game of seven something yes. like that <laughs> game of game of tolls as tom likes to say <laughs> so tom how, how do how do you like that intro this week no i'm just kidding <laughs> it was fabulous it looked good. It looked just I, I, like it always does. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was threatening you earlier that I was going to add another hour of criticisms about it, um, but I was paying attention and I liked some of the new, the new land, the new uh, locations that it started to show. That was Did cool. You hear that everyone, Tom was paying attention to the episode this week. We're in luck. <laughs> so you're being facetious. You're making a claim that's not genuine. And next week, maybe. Castly Rock in the Perhaps. map. Think Perhaps. of all the things we can criticize with that. Have we ever seen Casterly Rock? You have not seen it, and according to my thorough research, it's not been shown in the books either. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think we've, like, I have no frame of reference for what it looks like or anything, and yet it's been handed around like it's some great jewel. So I'll be really curious to see what it looks like. Well, it sounds if like they it was described it. as being very opulent, like a very opulent yes. um, home base. So I'd yeah. like to see that displayed. <laughs> right. Who wouldn't? <laughs> All right. So before we get into the uh, the wailing and weeping despair of this episode, what are you are you having a refreshing beverage in a sucking the monkey kind of way? You know, sadly, I am not. I just have a large glass of ice cold water in front of me right now. Sounds good, though. Yeah, yeah, it it's, like it's quite refreshing. <laughs> and by water, you mean pure Lucky's charcoal filtered vodka, right? <laughs> well, of course, it goes down <laughs> as smooth as water. So why drink anything else? <laughs> I'm having. What are you a, drinking? Uh, I'm having a, a, a rum and coke, which has been the tradition. I'm, I'm recording this from my mother's house in Los Angeles. Uh, when I have work down here in LA, I, I stay overnight and spend some time with her which I've been doing mm. since my father passed away. And so I have resources here uh, and that I leave for every time I'm down. And cause when she goes to bed and I'm working on some stuff and, uh, so hollowed out binders on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> or if, <laughs> if by the pantry, you mean, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so the thing is like the reason I started drinking rum and Cokes here was that my dad used to drink, uh, he, he drank RC Cola when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. And then in his last few years, he would drink caffeine free Coke which is like, okay. the, but it was here. And so the, right. you know, whenever it was maybe a year or two ago, I decided to mix some rum with that. And I was like, not bad. So it suddenly mm. became my, my drink when I'm down here. Right. Cause there was always this caffeine free Coke by the caseload here. So I ran sense. out of that fairly recently. So I got some regular, some legit Coke, but I've been <laughs> mixing with, with th this random rum that I found at the local grocery store. And it's like, I don't know what it's called. Like number one, good rum. You know, it was something that was tragically inexpensive. <laughs> but it had a really low budget label that amused me so much that I went for it instead of cracking. Nice. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, cracking rum. <laughs> Hashtag 
I made a big mistake. But yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. So anyway, it's like it's neither brown nor clear. It's just sort of like a. It's even more yellow than the. Uh, it's not, just not Captain Morgan. Someone, one of the one of the cheesier companies like Captain Morgan or something have a a gold rum and it just looks like piss. So it's this it's is, just the color of like dehydrated urine. <laughs> correct. No, nice. overhydrated, overly hydrated urine. It's overly hydrated. Is, doesn't it come yeah. out super pale then? Yeah. Ugh. Yes, that's what I'm about that dude. So my number one good rum looks like. <laughs> That sounds so absolutely delightful. It's I'm awesome. jealous of you as I drink my my water slash vodka here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Game of Tolls, second week in a row, we're going to have a discussion about what the f, and uh, and the second uh, week in a row that we're kind of a little underprepared. We I had planned on recording tonight, and then we've been having electrical and internet errors all night, and. So then we were going to push it off, but Tom's out of town on business stuff, and so we're we're recording tonight so we can get something to you guys, but we're not super, super prepared. <laughs> I don't even think... The thing is, we just saw it. So, we did. I just saw know. it this morning, actually. Well, yeah, and I saw it last night late, <laughs> right before a very early flight this morning, so I dreamt about it. <laughs> always the sign of a good episode, right? That you have to dream yes. about Yes. And as always, uh, there are spoilers ahead. Here there be spoilers. So beware. This episode had uh, this episode had some triggers for me, which we'll talk about when we get there. But that's mm-hmm. why it lasted with me so much, I think, in the same way that another episode that we've seen in the past did. And so we'll talk about that, but definitely stuck with me. In, in yeah, we had death and, and unisex and... And wolf packs and piracy and pus. <laughs> All right. So how do you want to do, do you want to follow the, uh, the handy guidelines of our friends at Wikipedia? Or do you want to just start from a certain place and screw you Wikipedia? It? What was your favorite yeah. scene? Where, where was what? your favorite location this time? Wait a minute. We're going to skip straight to a red tentacle right now. No, no. I'm saying what, what, oh, what sequence one. was your favorite setting? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think I was most intrigued by uh, Arya being It was all about Arya surrounded. this week, too. Yeah, yeah. Her being surrounded by uh, Nymeria and and the pack, and the rumored pack. You know, that yes. thing was, that was just an amazing scene. And actually, the more I read about it afterwards, not just the, the really cheesy three seconds that they used to talk about it in the, in the about the episode section at the end which mm-hmm. wasn't much but later on yeah, I didn't watch that more nuanced stuff. I d- yeah i haven't been watching the the behind the show stuff afterwards i'm like mm, i kind of uh, they they've come off less informative and more cheesy the last couple times so i'm just like mm, yeah. i'm not yeah. gonna watch them anymore yeah but i mean i read about i read some more nuanced stuff and i and i was really i was picking up what they were laying down i i thought that was very interesting in terms of uh of uh, broadcasting some thematic content that that I didn't immediately pick up when I watched. Yeah, it. that's so, that paralleled uh, quote that she gave Nymeria yeah. when, she, when she shows up. Yeah. So yeah, we start out in Riverlands with her and Hot Pie, though. Yes, Hot Pie, which which was kind of cute. Yes, cute little Hot Pie. Job it is to deliver deliver uh, content about where other people are. <laughs> Yeah, which, you know, honestly, and when you've got that centrally located in like that, it makes sense that he would know. But it was kind of neat fair. to see Arya genuinely surprised by this stuff. 
I will tell you now, out of sequence, but because you pushed me, you've insisted that I do so. <laughs> that directly relates to my red tentacle, and I'll just tell it to you now. My red yes. tentacle for this episode was the clever transition of <laughs> pussy, <laughs> like horrible pussy flaying of dragon scale right into chicken pot pie. Oh, man, that was such a terrible shot. Oh, man. So great. It was brilliant and horrible at the same time. (laughs) Because I remember thinking, thinking, where does the, like, the depth of that cut? Like, has he got, like, five inches of, of, like, necrotic tissue here? And then it's the peas and stuff and bone marrow flying out. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, that was just really, really well shot. I love the way they did that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just so funny. But yeah, I really loved the scene of the wolf pack making itself known. The way her horse was getting anxious about it. And I thought they did a really good job with that. And they showed the horse twitching in different directions. Which yeah. led to the surrounding, which was very cool. And man, was that a big wolf. That was awesome. They don't like to do it much because of apparently how expensive it is to do. But when they well, do, and I read an interview with one of the effects guys who says that it's not just the expense because honestly, it's not as bad as the dragons from that point of view. But it's the uncanny valley thing. They can't make a wolf that big not look cartoony, whereas they can make a giant dragon, and you don't have a frame of reference, so it looks more real than a giant wolf does. Ah, uh, yes. Which that makes sense. makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, what about you? Favorite place? Favorite I honestly, or... like, the, the stuff with Arya was great this time. I really liked how they left you a little, like, oh, which way is she going to turn as she left the inn? I thought that was a nice touch. And I just Boy. think she's a really, such a fascinating character in this this season. I, I may be ma- imagining things, but I feel like we've seen fairly recently other examples of a character looking one direction and then someone going the other direction or similar sort of, you know, sl- uh, you know, sliding doors moments where someone's mm-hmm. making a decision and they're missing a connection with someone else. But uh, that was pivotal mm-hmm. and it felt like there was ramification to her choice. I agree. And I think between that and the and the thematic context of of Nymeria rejecting her, having gone her own path and whatever, and that, that mm-hmm. being a metaphor for what's going to happen when she goes back to the Starks and, and you know, she's these people who she thought were dead and then she's going to show up and what's going to happen, right? That She's going to yeah. be third, third tier and not taken seriously at best and at worst ostracized when they find out what she's been doing and how yeah, she's I, changed. I'm going to assume that she's going to keep a lot of that secret. Yeah, but the, it being secret and it coming out are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I doubt this is the last we've seen of Nymeria and her wolf pack, too. I, I, I feel like these guys are too Chekhov's gun to show yeah. us that and not have them come back around at some point here. I think you're right. I thought it was great, though. I, I'm excited about the idea of her heading north instead of going down into King's Landing. I think it's a better choice from a from a character standpoint to have her go towards family instead of just revenge. Yeah. Interesting. And it, although it ultimately may lead to a, a, a terrible something, something, cause we can't just keep saving the best characters and the best, <laughs> you know, the most loved characters, because that's not what we do here at game of Thrones. Yeah. We've got to lose a Stark this year. Yeah. 
for sure. We've, I um, think also, we've lost one every season, haven't we? <laughs> I think maybe. Also, uh, is Nymeria the only surviving direwolf other than Ghost? Yes. Ghost is John's, right? Right. Okay. So Yeah, because additional... Brands died during the escape. Yeah. They right. killed Shaggy Dog off screen before giving him to the Boltons. Ned killed Lady... And uh, they killed uh, Rob's direwolf at the red wedding. Oh, still, like <laughs> one, still one of another one of their best moments is him being carried out or on horseback, coming out with the head of the wolf on him. Oh, that's that so terrible! Just, that's so terrible. That was, that was a much better, phrase. more convincing looking wolf than Shaggy Dog. That that was some <laughs> some pretty weak wolf prosthetics there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, okay, so that means that this is the only true Stark direwolf left. Correct. Because Correct. John's, you know, yeah. And I think John's is a runt, too, if I remember right. Yeah. And that's why Nymeria is so much bigger. But the idea that, um, that the last, so this is like the last, so if she's going to go back and find her family family, this is the other right. family. Yes. And so, yeah. And, you know, I thought when she said, that's not you, at first I thought she was implying that this was, like, one of Nymeria's offspring or something. Right. It wasn't until I read the article later that was like, oh, no, that's a callback to when Ned said, oh, look at you, you'll marry a lord and wear dresses and live in a castle. And she's like, that's not me. Right. I thought that was a really cool callback. I like that. But it was a little Agreed. subtle, too. <laughs> it was. It was. And you had to have been, and you had to have been, like not only watching this whole time, but also, like you, having watched fairly recently, so that you would actually pick up on that. Right. I, on the other hand, it felt familiar and weird, but then I had to read it to really understand what was going on. Yeah, and I feel like they the they definitely kept it maybe a little too subtle as to what it was. Like I almost feel like she could have added one extra little line there, but I appreciate the way they did it. I thought it was really strong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there a, a scene or a location that you did not like so much this week? Uh, the King's Landing stuff was pretty weak. I mean, really, it was just her talking to Tyrell and the Bannerman and then her and her sweet little ballista crossbow thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have some thoughts. We should probably just go through, maybe we should just go through the different uh, locations and Sure, and, and talk a little bit about them because yeah, I have I have concerns. Okay, Some concerns, and then also I should mention um, there is uh, a friend of ours online who recently noted uh, um, has recently started listening to the podcast. Suggested um, a fan theory that we should discuss oh. that's related to the King's Landing section. So we should remember to talk about that okay. when we get there. Okay, so where where do you want to start? Well, we've already we're, started with the Riverlands yeah. there. Yeah, uh, maybe much. let's let's go ahead and head up to 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 the north and cover. Can Winter I make Thaw. one more comment about hot pie? The hot yes. pie scene. Since we're talking about the Riverlands, what I thought was interesting was that she sat down and she was total like hardened adult, no etiquette. Just stole the took the food off the plate. Is like yeah. you know, chowing into it, wiping her mouth with her hand, drinking the the mead. And she's just being really rough, and 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 like a boss. She and then eats like the hound like, when she's eating. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. 
and the good point and then what does hot pie say like i can't believe anyone ever thought you were a boy you know <laughs> they're pretty <laughs> that was really funny and that that kind of cutely awkward hand on his shoulder before she left yes. was great yes 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 so, yeah, there yeah. were a lot of scenes in this I really liked, but I think the characterization and the portrayals of the two of them in that scene were perfect. I thought they were spot on. Yeah, and she puts so much work into hiding her own, hiding her true self, yeah. and being very guarded. In that moment when he said that the Starks were alive, she it just broke down for a minute, and it was just her honest reaction. I was like, "What?" You know, that was very yeah. convincing. I like. Yeah, I agree. So, so we didn't see, we never saw the wall. We also didn't see a single wildling in this episode because they're off to Hard Home or not Hard Home, East Watch, that they're being sent to. So we we cover a little bit in Winterfell. Not a lot happens there, but again, it's it's John standing up in front of everybody and having a bicker fight with with Sansa. (laughs) Yeah, but it was a I mean it was a pretty pivotal moment. That's another one of these. Yeah, uh, could be life or death decisions that down the road absolutely huge Huge deal um davos we love davos right so he's on the chopping block and he's going with him it's not a good sign yeah and what i thought was interesting was there was uniform as it is here uniform opposition right even yes yeah even uh even uh what's her name the the junior the junior noble i always forget her Mm -hmm. name uh, the the little bear I can't remember her name yeah little, Mormont. little yeah. bear yeah even she uh Liana Mormont maybe yeah I think you're right yeah right? that's right because her name is Bella Ramsey her the actress and I don't like that Ramsey <laughs> change her name <laughs> yeah Liana uh, yeah yeah so like even even she was like no no stay in the north everybody was saying it and I thought that was great and like he kept trying to point out. I'm the only one who's seen this. I've only, I'm the right. only one who saw the bigger picture here. Well, and it's uh, great, too, that once again, he's making a choice that puts him into personal peril to do what's right for the realm as well. Yes, 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 yes. It's not However, like he's think, like, oh, I've always wanted to go see dragons. He's like, dragons and dragonglass are the only two things that can defeat this army. Yes, and it's and it's very risky to do what he's doing, to yes. go off by himself and take a journey. Also... Not super thrilled that he's going to sail there after I, I appreciate the fact that I'm not I don't have the map in front of me, but I don't I don't particularly like the idea that he's going to go sail there when between him and Dragonstone is a fleet of dead ships and a pirate. But we right. <laughs> that's yeah. not a great sign. That's not a great sign. <laughs> but to me, to me, the biggest moment in that whole sequence at Winterfell was. And and the one that I really wonder is is this the is this the the moment where something p- pivotal changes mm-hmm. is his encounter with Littlefinger because yeah down in the vaults I thought that was yeah. really, I when love the way Finger, he reacted to Littlefinger there I don't think Littlefinger was was uh, instigating him I think no. Littlefinger was trying to ingratiate and was trying to sort of saddle up to him a little bit because saddle up to him because he was getting a little bit of a cool treatment from Sansa. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and when he admitted that he loves her the way he loved her mother, that backfired on him so badly and being, and being, uh, uh, humiliated that way. That's only mm-hmm. happened once, once before. Right. And that was Ned doing right. it to him about, about <laughs> cat. Right? So I don't know. I mean, I think that that's, 
th- that's sniveling. I mean, I, you know, he's my favorite, right? We've talked about this yes. many times. I love him. I see his motivations and I see his character very well defined in my head. And I see this as the moment that could um, push him over the edge to to be a lethal wedge between Sansa and John. Yeah, I agree. Or, I think he realizes how Ned, how much Ned is in John. Ironically, since no Ned is in John, uh, yeah. but I think I think that's something that he didn't necessarily anticipate, and I think it really caught him by surprise. Well, and and uh, I I I feel like, given how much backstabbing and betrayal and sneak attacks as we see in the show, um, I was already thinking after that scene. Uh, hell, he's going to send a raven, or he's going to some way leak that John is on his own on the way to the south. Ooh, I had to get about John that. taken out to try to get John taken out at least. You know, the, to, now that Sansa has control of the north. Right. See? No, that's a good thought. I I hadn't considered that option at all, but I could see something like that happening where he's like, "This is my chance to get yeah. her fully in charge." Hmm. Interesting. I don't like that. I don't want John in trouble, man. Yeah. And more importantly, I don't want Davos in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's the concern I have. Uh, however, what a what a power what a power pair as far as knowledge, along yeah. with Sam Tarly. I mean, these are the three that have direct knowledge of what's going on in the North and have each of them some component of awareness about the magic in the world and how it works and how it's been. Yeah. They've eyewitnessed it working between Davos seeing John reincarnated uh, through the Red Priest uh, to mm-hmm. him seeing the scale being stopped on uh, Baratheon's daughter mm-hmm. to all of the stuff that Tarly's been digging up to all the stuff yeah. that Snow has seen. I mean, you know, we're still in a world that, except for the rumors of dragons there's there's still no widespread acceptance that any of the magic from the back in the day still exists or ever really existed. Absolutely, yeah. So, I well, I, I really appreciate the fact that John has come around to realize how important and how valuable Davos is too. Yes, I think that's been yes. a very nice touch in this particular season and it I mean it's clear from when John was dead, how much influence Davos had in getting him back to life in the first place. That's true. And so it's kind of neat seeing the two of them kind of mutually respect and acknowledge their importance on both ends. Agreed. And, you know, uh, watching this episode, I was aware of how much major sort of... um, savvy players had shifted mm-hmm. around and were working with very different people than they were early on in the, in the, in the story. And it's directly addressed in the Dragonstone scene uh, mm-hmm. with Varys. But also, again, I'm looking at Davos and thinking, oh, here he was as Baratheon for the first few, whatever, first few seasons we saw him. Right? right. And now he's running around with Jon Snow. It's just, it's really interesting to see how these few, and Tyrion, of course, is another great example of that. It's interesting to see. And then, of course, the 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 council of women, everyone's making a big deal about them all at the table and making all these decisions. 
that combination right. of people is just so surreal when you think about <laughs> what got there. Right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's so bizarre seeing those what, people working together. It's not what you would have ever expected. Right, right. So, yeah, that was that was Winterfell, for better or worse. Yeah, I thought that was a, it was a solid scene. It just wasn't, oh, my God, this is something I'm talking about immediately after. Kind yeah, of it was... But, it was perfectly told, though. I mean, it was just the yeah. right. It was it was the right transition of, of getting him out there and explaining how he's going to get on the road and get towards her because it's setting up the, the power moment that people have been looking forward to. I mean, Absolutely. what a how what a what a I I hate to even give it power by naming it, but what if they screw with us and they never they never have John and and Daenerys meet? <laughs> I would be so frustrated. Yeah, I can't imagine them doing that just because it's such a uh, primo option for them, but I guess it's always possible with this fucking show. <laughs> I know. You see them just like, he's on the other side of the door, and then she gets a paper cut and gets, you know, Legionnaire's disease, and that's the end of it. Right. Rapid, rapid Legionnaire's disease that Arya doesn't have. Right. Anyway. No. Okay. <laughs> what about, uh, what about King's Landing? King's Landing, I, you know, like I said, it didn't really do much for me. Like, I understand all of the scenes that it had were important, without question, but I just, nothing in it was like, oh my god, this is so amazing, I'm so glad we're watching this, either, for me. You're a harsh critic, man. I thought I'm that sorry. The, uh, I thought that the ways in which the Euron, well, so, this is the first time we're seeing Euron uh, demonstrate what the actor himself, you know, has has described separately as being a very deliberate thing that he's a chameleon, that he has these different sides to his personality and he puts them on. Uh, Pilo, I guess is his name. That he puts yeah. on these aspects of his persona based on who he's dealing with, and that's a really scary sort of sociopath because you never know who the real guy is. I'm not um, sure what scene you're referring to there, then, because he wasn't in King's Landing at all. Oh, I guess I'm thinking of the. I'm still thinking about. Uh, the previous episode and how how oh, yeah. charismatic and and bold and whatever he was being uh, the roguish pirate you know yes. and then the very next episode this episode he he was he was quite different to different people but so King's Landing yeah so pretty much it was all about um, the uh, Cersei discussing to the remaining living nobles <laughs> 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 the men still standing. Uh, how important it is to, uh, you know, spreading some fake news about how they're all going to be raped and pillaged by these, this incoming marauding army. I thought it was really fascinating, the misinformation and how, how believable it was. I agree. That That was actually really interesting to see it played that way. I thought that was cool. It sounds like she's, I mean, it's, it has chilling parallels to what we're experiencing today in the United States. Her, her manipulation of the rumors of events and the general the the vague general knowledge the note that the noble class might have from having access to some information right about right. things about these people from overseas and then playing on the playing on the fears and the and the certain the stereotypes that they've carried about them and exaggerating them that was that was really effective it Very really effective. was yeah and i thought and that whole thing, yeah it was definitely in fitting with her personality and her character as well, which I thought was really cool. And that whole thing with Jamie uh, um, pursuing Randall Tarley and, and 
you know, trying to get him to commit was interesting. I never thought we were going to see him again. And I I guess I never really um, realized that his house would have some significance to the Lannisters, or maybe it really didn't until they they ran out of other people. I don't know. (laughs) But the way Jamie talks about him and he was a, a, you know, a solid military leader. So, right. Yeah. I thought that was kind of, I didn't expect to see that kind of sequence. I honestly didn't expect Tarly to have any real, like anything else to do with the show, period, for the most part. But it does make sense with him being a uh, Tyrell Bannerman that they would do something like that. The two things that struck me in that conversation as they're walking down the hallway. uh, One, that um, the actor playing uh, Jamie... uh, uh, what's his name? Nikolai something. Nikolai, yeah, <laughs> something something. Yeah, uh, something. That he, that he has, he has, or is having an emerging snaggletooth in his in his lower jaw, towards okay. his cuspid. There's a tooth that's flying off to the side that I don't remember ever seeing before. I always <laughs> thought he was like uh, Brad Pitt style, like perfectly kind of handsome guy, and that okay. that was part of the thing. And then all of a sudden I start seeing this wild tooth. And to me, that's, you know, uncorrected dental work is a very nice touch for medieval stories, right? So Absolutely. Something about it felt very realistic, even though it's a totally random and coincidental thing. But it, one of the things that's always bothered me about Jamie is, um, you know, he's in perfect armor. He's got this short haircut and he's very, char- very, very pleasant looking. And, and in fact, when he's been dealing with um, Brienne, he's even, char- you know even like pleasant. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, we're in a world where again, paper cuts will kill you. So there was something right. about that, that that always felt like a disconnect and something about a snaggle tooth. This is the part where Tom says a, a minor tentacle goes to the snaggle tooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other, thing, the other thing though, the other thing that, that, that struck me in that conversation was that Jamie says, you know, so can we count on you? Are you going right. to support us in this? Or, you know, which way do you choose? Which I thought was strange, because what's Tarly supposed to say right here with yeah. the, dra- the king, the king slayer in the hallway in the Lannister controlled, uh, you know, yeah, King's Landing? The, what's he the supposed time to say? You say, "Oh no, um, yeah, you guys are fucked." <laughs> as Patrick, as Patrick Stewart famously said in his in his debut performance against you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't exactly translate to a, a safe travel home from there. So. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, why why don't you take the boat down down below the keep? No problems. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about yeah, it. no worries. Totally trustworthy. <laughs> now on the subject of Kyburn and his giant uh ballista or mm-hmm. mega cross I was yeah. pretty amused. I was amused online that everyone's pointing out that it's carrying on the Lannister tradition of obsession with violent crossbow work. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, and I'm not positive what it means when you uh, when you can shatter a um, a heavily brittleized piece of skull. You That's know, exactly whatever. my thought as well. Yeah. But the point was still, so to speak, was still valid, right? They are not magically impervious to, to harm. There was I like that he was he was working on the intelligence that that there were reports that the, the, the dragon was injured and that's a reminder yeah. that the king injured. Now that said, baby dragon. Right. Baby. Yeah, they've specifically noted that the only reason those spears could pierce its hide is that it wasn't fully grown. 
but that's a big ballista mm-hmm. or, or big bolts anyway in it. So yeah. that's it. If anything, it just evens what we saw this episode was sort of like Lannister strike back, right? It was balancing right. the scales a little bit and gives again, so to speak, giving, giving the Lannister something. It happened. I know. Giving them a fighting chance. So bad. Giving them some, <laughs> they're rolling twenties, right? Mm-hmm. up with these these little Hail Marys that I'm not thrilled about but it keeps the story going yeah yeah so mostly I guess acceptable <laughs> yeah so then I guess we have Old Town Old Town's great I I love I'm I'm loving Broadbent as the the Grand Maester I think he's great yes, yes. And I think the interaction between him and Tarly, it's definitely both knowing and also kind of, whatever, you're crazy, man, I'm not totally listening to you kind of thing. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. I I had, I I think he's got a sly knowingness to him, but he definitely is dismissing Tarly at the same time as kind of a crackpot who has his own things going on. I don't know, man. I still haven't decided whether he's being dismissive or if he's being deliberately, now, don't steal the key. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really, really unsure on that with him. And I'm okay with being unsure on it as well, because <laughs> it kind of fits my idea of how the maesters roll. <laughs> now, Samuel, here's a rolling yes. cart full of medical equipment. Don't do anything with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just so you know, we don't do things like that because somebody died last time and I can't condone anybody trying it. But if you were to happen to maybe come across this card of things that I left out. <laughs> so he specifically said that it was it was banned because it was dangerous. Now, right. here's the thing about that. First of all. Being banned because it was controversial and it was difficult. I mean, if you apply this this roughly 14th century, late 14th century uh, paradigm to mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, okay, surgery is very, very risky and not very successful. So right. I can right off the bat, you can see that it doesn't have to be um, a supernatural problem. It's just you know, surgery is hard. Um, right. No, you know, no way to stop it from being really, really, really dangerous to the patient. However, dangerous is what he said. Mm-hmm. These are people who are doomed. And I think, I think he was more referring to the danger to the maester, though, because he said that that maester died of dragon scale. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that my concern is um, they did show that uh, Tarly was wearing gloves, which was good. Yeah. Then again, he's, he was puncturing some major pus pockets which was pretty yeah there's a lot of, of flying pus going on there definitely <laughs> i know if it was me i would have been like so you know comma and then have my mouth wide open and <laughs> god <laughs> yeah i could see that happening <laughs> dragon scale from the plumbing out can you imagine oh, like, oh god. god that's terrible <laughs> so the yeah. other thing that was interesting interesting was that um i had forgotten that jorah's father was the uh the head of uh, Castle Black. I did, I never. Oh, really, yeah. I don't think I ever even made that connection. Honestly, I think maybe I did. Yeah, I thought that was season, really earlier great, season. actually. No, he did say that right in earlier seasons that he was disappointed by his son or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and they made some reference somewhere else about it too. That I was like, oh, that's actually really clever the way they did it, but I don't remember what it was now. So it must not have been that clever. 
<laughs> well, it's it's always challenging when actors of a certain age have parents being portrayed, um, even though that's dumb because you know right. they could be you know twenty years apart and it's legit. But Dora doesn't seem like he's of the. I mean, he's not as old as he looks, but he right. feels like a character who is someone else's father who wouldn't have a living father around him. Yeah, so that's I agree. A bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But that's anyway. that's one thing with Jorah he feels – I don't think he feels exactly like the age that he's supposed to be necessarily. I mean, he doesn't sense. have a father, so I guess <laughs> problem solved. But. So but Yeah, great scene. Uh, once again, kind of com- comedic and gross at the same time. Apparently yep. that's going to be Charlie's thing he does this year. <laughs> Can you imagine Flip? being awake for a flailing I mean, oh, I guess God. a lot of, yeah i guess a lot of people were <laughs> yeah, but i mean yeah, I, you know yeah the the way he's just like flaying the skin off was just intense <laughs> like i don't know maybe it's the judicious application of the mysterious ointment but uh i'm, I'm having trouble uh with the disparity of how do you keep the flailing of a protagonist uh for medical purposes be something right. where the flailing of a protagonist who's doomed and who's going to be killed and then used as a banner. Her <laughs> <laughs> symbol. Um, yeah. Not something could survive. So I don't know. The rate at which you're flayed, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely... I really expected the dragon glass to play into that a little more than it did. Like, maybe have him cutting the, yeah. the, the dragon scale off with dragon glass or something. I, I was kind of surprised to not see that make an appearance. So maybe my my whole theory thing about the dragon glass is totally off base there. I wonder. Yeah, I mean maybe it's in the in the sauce that he was putting on after the fact, but <laughs> the goopy the goopy sauce. Yeah. Well, okay. Nothing so then like you have goopy money. sauce. So then we have the money scene, which is the narrow sea. Yes. Which feels like, I mean, it definitely shows that they're up in the ante for these last two seasons. And they've been telling people that there's just, you know, action set after action set. But this felt like right. the second to last episode of some other season. Right? Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah, it was very intense. I thought it was really well done. It's one of the better, like, pirate boarding scenes I've seen on TV. Oh, yeah, certainly. Certainly the first one with a dragon with a dragon jaw as the as the boarding tool. Yeah, that was great. That but, turned out really nice actually. I like that. There are definitely some <laughs> questions about what the uh what their um their spotters were doing. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, that, even in even in fog shit. it shouldn't have been possible. Because <laughs> it's not just one, it's not just one ship that snuck up on one ship. That was an entire fleet that snuck up on another entire fleet. Yes. So I know there's a lot of uh, art- artistic license here, almost as yeah. much as how Euron created a thousand ships of a In, scale. I read this article yeah. somewhere. I'll link it to you later. This article talking about how, you know, talking with some, some uh, historian trying to assess how much lumber and time would have been required to make ships oh, of, yeah. this, of this class. And it's like, you know, 500 hectares was required. And, yeah, I mean, know, we're talking years and years of work and stripping yeah. every piece of wood from every piece of land anywhere. And that they didn't have, you know. <laughs> right. Growing new like trees South America letting those grow. Yeah. <laughs> Plus yeah. the painting. Plus the yeah. graphic sculpt work. 
you know. <laughs> anyway, so it starts with this very um, – we, we skipped. I, I guess we never talked about it, but I mean, we should briefly mention that um, in Dragonstone, uh, after this, I guess we should talk about Dragonstone before we talk about Benarity, yeah, sure. huh? Okay, sure. so yeah, that makes sense. A big moment that a lot of people were excited about because all of these female leaders were together discussing strategy in our room, right? And Tyrion's and Tyrion's tactical plan was approved, but it was interesting to see all of these. Uh, female leaders talking about fighty stuff that you just never mm -hmm. see on TV. And they didn't agree. They had a lot of internal conflict as well. Yeah, yeah. Which was nice to see. I like that. They weren't just plot mechanisms. They actually had components of their character that was causing them to be divisive. And the whole thing with Daenerys challenging Varys, that whole thing mm -hmm. was really interesting too. I love it's that. I love that Varys wasn't submissive he wasn't dismissive and he didn't lie about anything he said to her but he certainly had a sweat and you could see yes. it and i loved it he knew, yeah. he knew he was right there and it was cool because that guy has been yeah. with business until yeah. it's off season and he's got his hair and he's dancing and everything else but in the show all business <laughs> all the time. right well and he just straight up specifically um He's just like, you know what? This is who I am. I do what's best for the realm. And at the time, you weren't best for the realm. I didn't. You were a little girl kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. And, 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 and to, some, to some degree, her challenge that, well, you, you jump to the next king and you don't seem <laughs> to have loyalty because you, if you get tired of a king or a ruler, you just, you, you know, you maneuver to have them replaced with another ruler. That wasn't quite fair either. And like he pointed out, there's some bad dudes, and also your dad was not was not one. Yeah, know, pulled them up as a good example, and I thought that was pretty cool. The whole thing though was great because you're right. You strip away all the bullshit, and he was just honest and risked yeah. it, and it worked. Yes, and it was, and then, and then and then there was that great reference uh, when Melisandre showed up, and she's like, you know, you're I'm I'm not I'm only batting one for two right now on people who have been. <laughs> serving other uh pretenders to the throne so yes be careful so that was kind of neat well and i i liked how cagey and evasive she was about it as well yeah she no, she wasn't like prophecies the, the the fire has told me that you're the one she's more like they're a tricky thing <laughs> and i don't know whether that's because her vision's did not show that or whether that's mm -hmm. because she started to admit to herself that maybe she, she is applying a lot everything. more. Right. She's assumed that because she sees something in a vision that it is what it appears to be because I she was agree. convinced that Baratheon was the guy. And then she was convinced Jon Snow was the guy who he may still be. Yeah. And there was this whole thing about the, the gender neutrality of the term prince in Valerian, which I thought mm -hmm. was interesting. It felt yeah. a little red, a little red Connie. But yeah, still, it felt a little forced. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah, almost more like she was trying to convince Danny more so than she believed it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought that was an interesting scene and I would particularly thought the letter that Tyrion ends up writing to John has nothing in it about bending the knee. I noticed that. I thought that was it's very a, interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think he knew immediately that John is not going to respond well to that particular line, and I'll be really curious to see if it comes back to to play in. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that was interesting was uh, Olana. I love when Olana uh, Tyrell has this, you know, I've outlived them all kind of attitude, this weariness. And it was interesting <laughs> that she goes along with the plan. And then later on, she talks to Daenerys one-on-one and says, okay, here's the thing. I've outlived all of these clever men with their clever plans. Maybe, you know, you're a dragon, be a dragon. I thought that was interesting because yeah, half of that decision may have just been made for her, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that high Valerian uh, translation moment was just another opportunity for the actress playing Miss Sunday to to have some lines, which is fine by me because she's amazing. I love her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then she and uh, Grey Worm finally had their moment, which I thought they yeah. handled very well. It um, was one of the first scenes in Game of Thrones that sex wasn't happening while exposition was happening. Very good point. It was also... Like a- it yeah, was almost jarringly quiet. <laughs> and also it was an example of, I mean, for, for very obvious physical reasons, but just in general, it was an example of where it wasn't uh, a man, a male character dominating a woman character in the show or right. a woman character seducing a male character. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was female focused, but in a genuine way. Yeah. Season seven. It's all about, you know. Bending the knee, so to speak. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that that scene was, it was kind of expected, but it was also a little, I didn't expect it to happen quite yet, but Ah. things are going so fast that I don't think there's any choice in the matter, so. I was absolutely convinced after some of the things that they've shown us on this show, I was absolutely convinced we were going to get a full frontal of Grey Worm. I really assumed so as well. This was the best opportunity for them to do it. I kind of wish they had. I felt like this was going to be one of those things where the effects team had spent 18 hours working out this particularly gnarly prosthetic. Um, I can't imagine that heals very cleanly. No, I wouldn't. In the 1400s, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. The pseudo 1400s. Well, and they've still really not cleared up exactly what's going on down there true and maybe With they just, yeah yeah i don't know i mean not that i'm necessarily been like why isn't there more penis in my game of thrones but i feel like this was the opportunity to really answer that question and instead they did it in a really subtle way that's both kind of disappointing but also i guess satisfying from the other route so i'm no expert on uh, Unix, but mm-hmm. my sense from practical history was that the procedure for creating a eunuch was removing testicles, Correct. because it's this symbolic gesture of removing the testicles and not being able to have children, but also that the, the you know the hormonal changes that would occur. Right, they don't develop but, testosterone and that kind of thing. No testosterone, no hardening, no nothing. They'd be they'd be useless. I don't right. know that there's ever a other than cruel, um, well, like, uh, like, uh, Theon, yeah. Yeah. There's not an example of a functional reason to cut off the, the penis itself. In fact, no. I imagine that's quite challenging to make someone survive that. So, yeah, and, and still be functional and not get some sort of horrific infection from it. Right. 
so that's why I'm a little. That's why I was very curious what was going to be going on down there because if if there was a full dismemberment, um, mm-hmm. this is happening right now, guys. If there was, a full, <laughs> there's no reason to do that, and certainly no reason to do that on a massive scale to slaves. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm curious. And if it was just a, and if it was just a, um, you know, a, a removal of testicles, then it wouldn't be such mm-hmm. a shock and awe moment. Yeah. But uh, maybe we'll never know. Maybe we will. Perhaps. Maybe. I never maybe thought on the Sunday it'd be naked, seducing gray worms. So. <laughs> and you've registered how many complaints about it? Precisely zero, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's um, the precise right amount of complaint about her being naked. <laughs> but then the, the polar opposite experience was the narrow sea. Mm-hmm. And they set up, they set up the same sort of... Um, or kind of the more uh, traditional Game of Thrones gratuitous sex moment, right? With all with yeah. the sort of the the lurid, uh, you know, uh, innuendo and all that stuff leading to an action, and then it gets interrupted by this crazy violence. Um, kind of interesting. Kind of interesting that they went that route because, from a storytelling standpoint, if you take the sensationalism out of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an interesting choice to make it be a surprise attack happening Mm -hmm. right in the right to interrupt this little Venetian rendezvous, right? Yeah, this feels a little strange. I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. I think they did a good job with it. I think I I don't know how Euron necessarily found them. That that part doesn't necessarily make any sense. Um, because we are talking about a fleet that's now heading off on logistical maneuvers, and for him right. to just kind of stumble across them seems a little questionable. But I do, I think the scene was really well done. I feel like Nymeria was kind of weak in it. I expected her to be more of a fighter. Well, the both of them, it was very, so this was the trigger for me, you know, that um, I hate scenes where someone is, uh, killed or is being killed and they are pinned or unable to move and then they're being basically executed um, mm-hmm. slowly. Those are horrible things for me. I don't. Those are things that have challenged me since I was a kid, the images of that, like drowning and, and people being trapped in things and people being slowly murdered in those kinds of ways. Stuff I don't right. like. So yeah. both of these sands, everyone has commented on how they don't like the sands and the way that the story in the show has made Dorn and that the that the that the sand snakes have lost their agency. They don't have mm-hmm. the they don't have the vitality and the urgency of the books. And I get right. that. But I was also willing to 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 accept that the story was telling me that they were amazingly good fighters mm-hmm. and very well in sync with each other. And then when they didn't really demonstrate too much of that in the Dorn scenes, we chalked it up largely to the inability of the show to generate interest in the Dorn world. Right. But here, once again, I had, they had that sort of super villain thing going on with Euron where it was like, mm-hmm. he was taking hits left and right and just kind of going at it. She was whipping the shit out of his head and he's just like, whatever. Yeah. And if she was skilled, she would have been disarming him and pinning, you know, she would have been doing de- defensive actions. With the whip I, as well. I really feel like the people that wrote that scene have never been whipped before. Uh-huh. And I don't think they understand just how much that fucking hurts. <laughs> and, and that they would think that the only use of a whip is to snap it at someone. Because yeah. that's an entanglement weapon. The whole purpose of having a, a whip like that is to disarm people. 
Right, absolutely. The shit out of him, right? But I mean, it was really yeah. hard to see her sister first go and, right. and for her to be strangled. So Euron killed both snakes with their own weapons, which was really mm-hmm. rude. Yeah. And, and what, some... what's up with fucking Alaria not doing a thing? Does she not fight? I thought she was a fighter too. Well, she was in the room with. She was protecting mom, right? No, Alaria is the mom, isn't she? Oh, okay. Well, and she I don't know. Didn't do I jack. Like Tyene was fighting pretty well, but Alaria just stood there and was like, "Oh, I'm a damsel in distress." Yeah, you're right. Maybe, but, and, but maybe she's. She's I mean, a, she's a poisoner and a schemer and that kind of thing, but I really assumed that she would be a little badass as well. Oh, interesting. I never really got that impression. I thought that she was a she was a a palace a palace fighter, not a mm-hmm. physical fighter. So that part. Yeah, I guess I get that. I think I wanted to see more of the bad badassness of the Sands, and I felt like this in this scene, the intention was for this victory. And mm-hmm. to be decisive and to be brutal, but yeah. I feel like unfortunately they were pitting him against. They made him a supervillain, made him extra mm-hmm. powerful. And he all was his, great, though. I actually really liked Euron. He was, but he was very powerful. And even all his mm-hmm. guys were somehow much more powerful, much more effective than their Iron Island brothers. Right. Fighting like there was no reason for them to be so. Um, overpowering and yet they were because the story just required them to be so it yeah. felt very out of out of character that whole sequence the sands once again did not fight the way you were imagining them to and it was and i think it was the what stuck with me and i know i dreamt about it what really got to me was jessica henwick's nymeria was being mm-hmm. strangled by her own whip while staring at her dead sister so that's yeah. that's not fun you know who in was life. perfectly in character though yes theon Oh yes, they did. So I think much, they did that perfectly. There's so much backlash online about that today and and yesterday about how oh you know he's a coward and he's this and this. He's got PTSD. They he's even got showed PTSD that, hardcore. Yeah, they showed that there's all this fire and explosions and screaming happening all around him and that he was starting to twitch and reeky. Mm-hmm. He's getting reeky. I mean, I thought it was and completely legit. I also think that from a. a t- a logistical standpoint, he knew there was no way he was saving his sister there. Yeah, yeah, and that he because didn't... Euron was holding the best axe ever against her throat. <laughs> did you see the Is detail that... on that axe? Oh, I did. Oh, it's so Is it gorgeous. A magic... Is it a magic axe or is it just a really cool looking axe? It, it it's a tentacle axe, man. It's I a kraken axe. Uh, I mean, it doesn't it... need to be magical. It's got it's got. It's got suckers <laughs> along its backside. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Krakenax. Hashtag. <laughs> well, okay. Is great. So, and and you know, to be fair, I think his sister was was convincing as well. She fought mm-hmm. Yara. I mean, she fought off a lot of dudes, and yeah, she, she fought really him great. quite a bit. She actually did a couple of leaps and some glow action. You know, she leaped off the yeah. ropes and she smacked him around quite a bit before his super villainess got a hold of her. Um, but that scene where he's got her by the neck and she's tearing watching mm-hmm. Theon not be able to move and then eventually jump. Um, that, that, uh, that sorrow in the defeat, that tragic feeling right. that she had and that, um, and that uh, Nymeria had was really powerful in that scene. 
Well, and she had seen him at his worst in that cage yes. when they went yes. to rescue him, and he turned her. He he went back into the cage. Yeah. And I think she thought that she had fixed him, but the, there was still that little bit every time there was that sex thing going on where she was like, "Don't tease him. Uh, he's got problems," yep. kind of thing. Like she knew he's broken, and you can only glue so much of that back together. And yeah, well, I think two, that yeah. expression where of on her face while he was breaking down was just like heartbreaking, actually. And there's two. There's two threads I thought interesting. One before the the surprise attack when she was saying, "What are you, you know, what are you doing standing around? Come on over and join the become a threesome." I right. was like, "Well, this is going to be an awkward scene." I thought this was going to be one of those things where he is being, he's going to be. Um, you know, totally socially, masculated. yeah, yeah, masculine because he can't, he can't, right. and, and all that. And but then also, uh, the other thing about it is, it was kind of a MacGuffin for the audience because those characters didn't see it, but we've seen him take great risk when he broke right. his programming and saved Sansa. Mm -hmm. So we've seen him take bold risks. The difference is, you know. <laughs> not when fully triggered as he was. So it was really sad. It was very sad. And when he's floating in the water, watching the ship go sail away, that was very powerful imagery with all the fire and the ship is just kind of... Yeah. And I do wonder, you know, maybe he's going to go after her. It's, I mean, he, he got away. It doesn't mean he's not going to try and catch up and try and rescue her down the line kind of thing, too. But it was really read. in keeping with his personality, I think. Yeah. I, I initially read that final scene of him looking up at the ship and the bodies, there was one body hung off the edge of it and then another body <sighs> impaled. And I at first thought that that was the, um, I thought that was uh, Yara. And yeah, they were really unclear on what happened to Yara. But, but I think, but I think what's happening is that, that he's taking Yara. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I think he's taking, uh, what's the sand mother name? Her name again? Alaria. I think he's taking Alaria and her daughter back to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Alaria is who that, murdered Marcella. Right, and I think that's the gift. Is I think so. He's taking Alaria back to her and Alaria's daughter, so that yes. she can have retribution for her daughter. Um, yeah, I think I that's agree. the gift. Now, as to what happened to Yara, I think that's going to be his plaything before he kills her. Yeah, and that's. So I think at this point they're still alive, technically. I but, think so. uh, yeah, brutal, 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 cut, Great cut to dumb. black, you know, yeah. so changes substantially changes the plan mm -hmm. from, uh, at least from what Tyrion was, 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 had set out as, as, as the logical conclusion to how they were going to do this without basically sacking King's Landing. Right. It kind of, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they react to this and how they find out about it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's something that could change the plan, or maybe they're just like keep keep on going. I mean, they're all headed towards King's Landing anyway, technically but speaking. They can't, but they can't lay siege. They can't do the siege of King's Landing uh, done by without Laria West Westerosian Westerosians if they don't have the Westerosians anymore, nor the means to siege. Right, and the whole idea of keeping foreigners from being involved in the in the seas the siege is now blown right. and it feels Entirely. like there yeah it feels like it's being engineered so that she's going to have to go do the do the tyrell approach go mm -hmm. straight at king's landing with the dragons at which point we're going to see you know 
I don't know. Although that's not that's not Danny's way of doing things. She's going to go to Casterly Rock and yeah. hang out there for like six or seven years. Uh huh. And... <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna nominate a council. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to free some slaves and then have that backfire. (laughs) Uh, I liked, you know, one other thing about uh, her, I liked what she was like saying, because she's, she's developed a fair amount of um, self-importance over these last few years of, of uh, army building. Um, And I thought it was interesting when she was said to Varys, you know, okay, so if you're a kingmaker and my, and, and you had all these problems with my dad for being a dipshit, and yet my brother was a super dipshit and you were in favor of him taking the throne. What does that say about, you know, what did you think, you know, what does that say about your, you know, your, your, your taste and what, what did you think about me then? And he was like, well, I didn't think anything of you. All I, knew was I had heard you existed and that you were pretty. <laughs> right. was, it was so bluntly honest. And she was like, well, how could you sell me to the, you know, Dothraki and how could this and this? And I was just like, you know what? It's true though. She yeah. was nothing to them. She yeah. was not something that they took seriously at that time. No, not even. I mean, why would they? They, as far as they were concerned, she was just well, and particularly in the books. I mean, she's like fucking twelve or something like that in the books. Right, right, right It's right, not right. like she's she's a fully grown adult woman hanging out with very or with whatever the hell the other guy's name was there in the before they sold her to call Drogo. I mean, she was literally just a tiny baby when all of this was going down. So it really does make sense. Even if she, even if she was older or she grew up in this environment, it wouldn't have the same, none of this would be happening if she hadn't found the dragons, triggered the bond, triggered her genetic bond. And then on the basis of that, gone on to do this, this slave freeing train and, building up yeah. this whole reputation and persona. I mean, it's, it, it built up a celebrity for her to legitimize her claim for yeah, her to then cross the seat. It's like the thing on the internet that you can't escape every 10 minutes whenever you pick up your phone, that if uh, Liana Mormont had three dragons, she would already be on the throne by now. You know, she would have sacked King's Landing two seasons ago. Right. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the one with all the dragons gets a lot of, um, you know, gets respect in a way that she didn't have before she had them. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, brutal episode, man. It, it, it was not quite red wedding, but it was close in terms of that gut wrenching feeling afterwards. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw some complaints online about it being like, Oh, boring season so far. And I'm like, seriously, all the shit that's I, happened in the last two episodes has been impressive as hell to me. I don't see how anybody could claim that this has been a boring season. It's the, it's, if anything, people are going to complain there's too much going on. Right, right. That's exactly my thought. And so. I think that in these first two episodes, they've done a good job of balancing calm with with action, which I didn't think they were going to be able to do as much because I thought they were going to be racing around, connecting plot points. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, there's been a hell of a lot of characterization and you yeah. know, scenes showing, showing that, that level of detail um, that have really surprised me so far in just two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. They've elevated the material, and and in doing so, they've elevated us, Chris. <laughs> I feel elevated. Yeah. So, anyway, brutal. Not happy with how indeed. I felt afterwards. <laughs> so, up next is the Queen's Justice. That doesn't sound great either. Oh, I don't know which queen called? I'm talking Interesting. about. Interesting. Yeah, but which queen? Yeah, really. Because so, 
Yeah. I did not place until literally her death scene that Nymeria was calling Wing. Oh, you're insane. I don't know how I didn't put the two together. I think part of it was just that I was yawning so much during Iron Fist, but... Yeah. <laughs> wow. When she was cast, when they were just doing production stuff for Iron Fist and I found out she was cast, I was like, ooh, she's neat. Click, click. Oh, I was surprised and I was shocked and delighted that she was a sand and then I recognized her. And then I was yeah. even more shocked and delighted to discover that she was a an X-Wing pilot in Force Awakens that I didn't even <laughs> remember was there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's a hot toddy, that Jessica Henwick, I have to say. <laughs> uh, the other now dead sand, Keisha Castle Hughes, she was the one that mm-hmm. started out life in that indie film about the girl and the... Like whales it, or A whale like or something. I don't remember, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, little, little I think she whale. won. Didn't she like? She either won or was nominated for an Oscar or Golden Globe or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like yeah. The, the youngest winner or something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And she's one of those those um, uh, kids who grow, grows up differently than they look. Like all these child actors who had a certain look when they were kids, and then they grew up, and you're like, whoa, and they look really different. Yeah, um, she doesn't look brutally unpleasant or anything, but she definitely you could see how her you know how her genetics worked as she as she matured she's mm-hmm. she's growing into looking like a very different person than her than her look as a as a child actor yes yeah, that's true yeah so that leaves one uh she didn't win the best actress award she lost it to Charlize Theron for monster but she was the oh, nom- okay. youngest nominated and only the second Polynesian actress period to get a nomination uh-huh. for any Oscar. Interesting. Uh, so the remaining sand, by the way, is another actress that I recognized after I'd seen her in Game of Thrones. She's in a show that my kids watch called Mia and Me, which mm. is an Italian co- Italian Canadian co-production or something like this fairy this fairy story where it's live action schoolgirls. And then they op- she opens a book, and then she gets sucked into the world, and then from there it's CGI fairies flying around. And I do love CGI fairies and live action schoolgirls. I know you do. It's uh, <laughs> it's the making of quite a few private commissions, I'm pretty sure. But the point is, um, I recognize her from that, and it's still very much a cho- you know targeting like tweens, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you see, and then you see her as a as a younger like a young adult as a sand, and she's quite a bit. Um, she looks quite a bit different. Mm. But anyway, that's a thing. It is a thing. For as long for as long <laughs> as she lives, anyway. <laughs> now now riddle me this, because I was thinking about this in the car on uh, this morning after my work I had to do. So in the ship, in the sequence right before the surprise attack, the sand daughters are all hanging around being stupid talking about how this one wants to sexually conquer so-and-so and and this one's wants to sexually conquer the mountain and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and then they're like well maybe i'll kill you maybe you know didn't 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 one or both of them say i will kill the other two and take them all myself in my brain i decided that uh tyan tyene sand Mm -hmm. is the one who said maybe i'll kill you two and take them all for myself and that the you two were the ones that died but maybe that's not true uh, I can't remember. I I know that the the one that survived is the one who is Ilaria's birth child. Ah. And the other two were the other two that were Oberon's children from other women. 
but I that's the only thing I know for sure there because they're the sand snakes and nobody actually fucking cares. <laughs> that's so tragic. <laughs> so much potential to be something rad. Yes. <laughs> oh, one other thing I really did like when uh, when uh, Tarly introduces his son to Jamie, and Jamie's <laughs> like, "Oh yes." Such and such, right? And he's like, no, Dickon. He's like, yes, of course. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And it, that is clearly a different dude playing the son than the last time we saw it him. <laughs> it is. I was like, where's this guy? Where did this guy come from? Anyway. Yes. So, dickhead. Yes. Dickhead. So, all right. So that was episode two of season seven, Stormborn. Bum, 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 bum. So next week's, of course, it's going to be super intense and unpleasant and shocking and we'll try to talk about it as soon after as we can yes yeah continue this fine tradition we are two out of we're two for two we're at 100 percent success rate on doing rapid rapid response <laughs> uh podcast commentary on this season so that's, that's how we roll if you've been listening to this and you like what you're hearing please rate us on itunes minimum yes. five stars if not more and then yeah I prefer to do a little, star ratings. Oh yes, and then do uh, and do a little comment, a little review, because that's the way the algorithm of iTunes apparently decides that you're worth recommending to other people. Is enough people enough enough listeners have to have given you those kudos in order to make it take note of you? Correct. And we have noticed that some people that we've we've heard from people that they've made reviews and and rated us well, and it doesn't show up on iTunes, and so there has to be some tipping point where it starts yeah. to recognize it and uh so the only way we're gonna get there is if people comment so yeah yeah definitely and if you do send us a review uh flash me an email at deeply dapper at gmail.com with your email and address and i'd love to send you a little something as a thank you just for helping us out helping more people find the show um i think that's that's charcoal charcoal portraits of gray worm close-ups for everyone who submits a review just the just the removed berries, actually. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Do not that. That's an outrage that you would suggest that in the first place. It just looks like some a couple of plums in a bowl. Bad dates, what? something like that. <laughs> you are a bad date. All right. Well, anyway, that was that. So I thank guess, you for uh, listening, everyone. Should we put the kraken back in the? We didn't even. We sort of released it. Put it back in the bottle. Yeah. Uh, hashtag uh, kraken axe. Until next time. Crack and eggs. Hey, wait. Wait, 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 wait. No, we can't. What was your red tentacle? Oh, oh, red tentacle. Well, clearly it was the Kraken axe. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that or the, the first time they show Nymeria full form and how big she is. I thought that was really great, too. <laughs> I, mis- I misinterpreted. Like my brain. I thought you said the first time they showed Melisande uh, or Masande. Masande. Uh, full, full form, form. yes, yeah. full form, full form Masande. That's that's really <laughs> all I'm all I'm aiming for. The Kraken really, accent, yeah. And if you could merge those two together, you'd be super thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. If it was just her full form carrying around a Kraken axe, I'd be totally okay with that. I'd I'd be willing to excuse her goth band look from the previous episode. It would be <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It would be one of the only times in Game of Thrones history that a naked woman with a weapon, weapon involved, wouldn't be a brutal crossbow in the back or something similar. Right. Or a bolt, yes. anyway. So, what about right, you? Cool. I already told you. It was what? the... Uh, 
uh, chicken pot pie sequence. Chicken pot pie. Well, that was that was like three hours ago. People don't remember. You've got to you've got to sum up. My red tentacle moment was the the uh, vi- the viscous. Uh, <laughs> the, moist, <laughs> the moist dragon scale surgery transitioned to chicken pot pie with steam moist and everything and crispy <laughs> bubbling just oh my god it was so horrible so gnarly right <gasps> on everybody <gasps> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> adios alright that was Game of Thrones season 7 episode 2 Stormborn which came from one of Daenerys's names Oh, interesting. Hey, how can they reach you if they have complaints about all your wrong ideas? Well, they can always go to deeplydapper.com and click up in the right-hand corner where I have all my contact info. Or they okay. can find me at Deeply Dapper on Instagram or Twitter. How about you, Mr. T-Dog? T-Dog. Uh, T-Money. I prefer Boom. medium tempered T-Money. Boom. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm T-H-O-M, Tom, at thirdraildesignlab.com. Uh, you can also reach me on various social medias, including the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Twitters, um, pretty much any way you want. But also, like you, go to thirdraildesignlab.com and then look for the contact links, and they're all there. So it's really more accurately V-Dog than T-Dog for you. Fair enough. <laughs> the very large, the, the dire dog. The Yes, yes, you are the dire dog. That's your new rap name from now on. <laughs> you can be the, the rapper dog. in Crime Alley. Be hashtag Krakenax. Oh, my gosh. Hashtag Krakenax. We could be like Hodor doing the really bad techno music to this whole thing. <laughs> hey, I've heard he's a pretty good DJ, man. I've heard that, too. But when you can go to uh, Game of Thrones uh, dance parties DJed by Hodor, that's a little strange. That's amazing. Prob- I don't know what you're They're probably serve the... No, they probably serve the Game of Thrones beers there too that you can get at Plus. And the poison lipstick. Oh yes. <laughs> the the roofy lipstick. Kind <laughs> of a dark path. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, cheers. Winter is coming. Winter came. That's gross. Winter came. It, it was gooey and pussy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but but filled with delightful quantities of peas and carrots. <laughs> well, it is important to have vegetables with your pus. <laughs> that was probably the most vegetable that most of those people ever ate. So Chicken pus pie, yeah. Chicken pus pie, that's horrible. <laughs> There's our episode name right there. Chicken pus pie, <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> I thought hashtag Krakenax was going to be it, but I don't know, man. That's a tough competition now. It's very hurt-worthy. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.